Hello everyone, it's your girl Teresa and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reese, and today we're going to get a little deep. However, y'all know how we do it. I am going to read a poem from my book of poetry entitled, This Is Why. And it reads, Tomorrow is not a guarantee. This is why we should thank God for today. Now is the moment we should cease because later may never come our way. Hello is a simple greet. This is why it should be said when we meet. Someone, time is something once lost. It cannot be replaced. It does cost and it can be erased. This is why we should never waste it or take it for granted. This is why today is so important. This is why now is of the essence. This is why time should not be wasted. This is why you should never take your life for granted. This is why we should make the best of every moment. And today, I wanted to take a moment to take advantage of today. So what I realized in the course of me just writing all of these letters to my future hubby, I wanted to backtrack. So I've written a lot of these letters and I've been extremely transparent and I've shared so much in so little time. Today I believe is day 47. So in 47 days, I have shared a lot about Teresa. And although I've taken you all on a journey and I've tried to introduce you to me, if you don't know who I am, I've tried to kind of hold your hand through this process. And hopefully you've been imagining if you've never met me, if you have no clue what I look like, what I sound like, all that good stuff. Hopefully you've kind of learned a little bit about myself. However, what I recognized is that a part of my healing also includes my writing a letter to the child within. And I felt the unction to do this about maybe 20 or so minutes ago. And I didn't resist. I just obeyed and I hope <laughs> because the Bible says obedience is greater than sacrifice. I hope that this is not a vain effort, that this is not a situation where it's going to fall on deaf ears. I hope that it encourages someone because I am literally going to speak to my inner child. And when I thought about my inner child and I thought about some of the memories that I have being a child. There's one particular 
moment that just, it won't leave me. Now, mind you, I have had two brain surgeries, but this memory will not leave me. And it was when I appeared on the front cover of the Austin Statesman at a very young age. And I was hanging out with my adopted grandparents, Mr. Charlie and Miss Kitty. And she was, I believe it was like a, I don't know if she did hair, um, but it was a store. So the setting was a store. And I was out on the porch just being me. And someone came by and I believe they were, I don't know if they were interviewing her, but however it turned out, I ended up on the front page of the Austin Statesman newspaper. And I'm sure if me and my mom were to go and start digging in her archive, I'm sure she would find it. I'm sure she would. It's somewhere. If nothing else, I know that I could get it again. Um, But for some reason, I believe that why that memory is so important to me is because my adopted grandparents, um, they were so instrumental in so many ways. And I remember when I was sitting on the step that's like I believe that was my one of my most innocent moments but I had so much joy I had so much joy like I don't even know I'd have to ask my mom what exactly she did and I promise you I almost believe that it was hair it had to been something affiliated with hair or maybe it was a small store but it was one of my most joyous moments as a child and no parent was watching me, you know, so I mean, she knew I was outside, but I wasn't like, I wasn't being supervised. It's like I was in my element. I was able to watch the cars go back and forth. I was in nature. I was playing by myself, but I was so serene in that moment. And that moment kept coming to me. And I'm not sure if the reason why that particular moment was coming to me is if that was the last moment that I was truly innocent before I was violated by being molested. But the it just kept playing like a record over and over and over in my mind today. And I was like, okay, Lord, you're telling me something. I just don't know what. I don't know what seeing this this vision of me way back then, what that has to do with anything that's going on today. But it's something that you're trying to say to me. And then just not too long ago, I heard write a letter to the younger you. And I could have sworn that I've been here before. I could have sworn that I have done that. At least I thought I did when I took a course um, entitled Bethesda. I could have, I could almost swear that I did that, but I can't find that letter. And now I'm older because when I did that, I was in my 30s. And so now I'm older. And so maybe there are some things that have not been addressed that need to be addressed in order for me to go forward. But 
I'm going to speak to the child within me. And when I was writing the letter, of course, I became very emotional. Um, and I didn't even realize that that was still because I haven't I don't know. I mean, when I went to therapy, when I went to group therapy, because I've been to two different versions of therapy. But when I went to group therapy, I remember that that was and this is a long time ago. I forgot all about this until like right now today. But when I went to group therapy, I do remember that one of our one of the assignments that we had. So I have done this. I've done this at least twice because in our group therapy, what she wanted us to do, she wanted us to know it was different. Okay, so this is what it was. With Bethesda, we were to write a letter. So I wrote a letter to my biological father. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe I haven't ever truly written a letter to the child within. Well, for some reason, I am being encouraged to do that. So I'm going to do that. But the other therapy that I went to, the other session with the group, um, we were supposed to remember a moment when we were children and she had us close our eyes. And when we closed our eyes, she counted from 10 to 1. So do this with me real quick. <laughs> 10, 9, if you're driving, don't do it. If you're driving, don't do it. If you're still, if you're in your home, if you are not driving a vehicle, do this. If you are driving a vehicle, just imagine that you're closing your eyes, but please don't close your eyes. <laughs> That's my PSA announcement. But anyway, let's go back. So 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, four, three, two, one. And she asked us to imagine the child within. And the child within could be sitting at a table in a stool. He or she could be playing with the basketball. He or she could be playing with the house pet. But to go and wherever that child is, to sit with him or her. And when you sit, see if he or she will speak back to you. But if he or she does not, then you are welcome to start the dialogue. You are welcome to have a conversation with your inner child. And this is where you would tell your inner child, whatever you've been holding on the inside of you, that you have not truly dealt with. And it could be from trauma. It could be from the first time that you felt rejection. It could be the first time your parent raised their voice at you. It could be the first time you were told no. It could be the first time that you were touched inappropriately. But the whole point is to sit with the inner child and to let your inner child know that it is not your fault. Whatever was done to you, however you were mistreated, however you were verbally or physically abused, it is not your fault. 
you can release that burden because it was never meant for you to carry it to begin with. You can forgive yourself because it was never meant for you to carry the pain that it caused. You are free to be a child. You should have never experienced what adults go through. Your mind, your body, your emotions were too young to even understand what the perpetrator was doing, what the offender was saying. Like your mind was meant to be a child's mind. It was never meant to take on the burden of the world. The word of God says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Children are meant to be children. Too many times, the burden of life is placed on children prematurely. And it affects the trajectory of their lives. Now, some people can attest to it being a positive experience, but there are so many children that can attest to it not being so positive. And a lot of them have grown into adults that are still broken to this day because no one took the time out to affirm them, to encourage them, to edify them, to build them up, and to guide them down a path of healing divinely. And so after you sit with your inner child, then you take another moment to inhale, to exhale. You check in with yourself. You forgive yourself for it taking as long as it did for you to make peace with your inner child. And then you count up to 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now I am merely sharing with you an experience that I have encountered. I am not a doctor. I am not a psychiatrist. I am not a therapist. This was just a part of one of my therapy sessions. <laughs> so I just wanted to share that for anybody. Hopefully that helps. But according to what we were told, we could visit our inner child as often as necessary to heal. So it didn't have to stop at one visit. We could continue to visit our inner child until we made peace with those areas in our lives. And I guess because of all that I'm doing, I am more sensitive to the direction of where to go next because it never dawned on me until this moment within the hour that this was even an option for me. But I'm grateful because I noticed that even in my doing that little exercise, I was able to envision the younger me. When she didn't have the cares of this world, when she didn't have the stresses, when she was able to truly be a child. And maybe that's why that porch scene is so important to me. 
is because I was in the presence and maybe that's why wisdom is so important to me because I've always gravitated toward older senior citizens like I've always loved to sit at the lap of wisdom ever since I was a little child now did I always apply that wisdom heck no but I've always been drawn to it so I've always been drawn to listening about what my grandmother went through, what my grandfather went through. I like I've always just when my dad, like I've listened to my dad sometimes cuz my dad has a purple heart. He was in Vietnam. So to listen to him and the way that he views life and how, you know, his nuggets of wisdom that he's trying to pass on to us, I can sit and listen to older people for hours. Like I that does I don't get tired of it. <laughs> I went to visit my aunt not too long ago. I just listened to her talk. I just listened and laughed, of course, because she's really hilarious. But I just listened in her in her darkest hours, because right now these are her darkest hours. She found out that she has stage four cancer. These are her darkest hours. But to be able to be in her presence, to be able to, I still see the spunk in her. And so to laugh and to record her and to just hear her say, I love you. And I just, you know, I love that kind of stuff. I love being around the elderly. And and it's sad because we should be enjoying their presence even when they're youthful. But I love being around the more seasoned people. I remember before my Mr. Charlie passed away, I call him my Mr. Charlie because he was like my, my, he was my adopted grandfather. But I remember before he passed away, I, on Mondays, this is when I lived, I lived in Dallas, but then whenever I would come to Austin to visit, I would make it a point to spend Mondays with him. And I would take him to a movie and he was so giddy. That's the other thing I've noticed too about Whenever for a lot of elderly people, like when they're young, they're young, but when they get older, they literally start to remind you of a child in ways of just the, the childlike personality. And so he was super giddy. He was super excited. He looked forward to those Mondays. I looked forward to those Mondays. It wasn't just him. I looked forward to getting ready to go take him to the movies and get him out of the house. I loved being in his presence. I loved listening to the things that he would talk about. He had a garden. He loved his garden. He had a little bitty dog. You know, you talk about the dog. And then I just loved being wherever he was at. Like a little bit puppy. Like I just loved to be in his presence. And then he would just, he wouldn't want us to go. So whenever me and the kids would go over there, you know, we're saying, oh, we're just coming to check on you, Mr. Charlie. It's not going to take long. We're just going to check on you. No, no, no. Y'all sit down. Get get you a seat. Sit down. And so he would have us sit down. He would have the television on. He would ask us if we were hungry. He would try to find um, something for the kids. He would always try to make sure he gave the kids like some kind of change out of his pocket or some kind of something. Can't something. We never left without him blessing us some kind of way. And so, um, but we would be there to go take care of him, but it was like within him to want to take care of us. And so I have like a few photos of him still to this day. And one is where he, as soon as he saw Ariana, he literally would like reach to hug her and 
she, because she doesn't have a present father figure, what I'm noticing is that I see me in her. And so my, my grandfather on my mom's side, she loves to go see her papa. When Mr. Charlie was living, we, she loved to go see Mr. Charlie with me. And then I remember the day that I was told. And the crazy thing is, it was a classmate of mine that he was talking to me and it didn't register. So he was talking to me. But when he was talking to me about Mr. Charlie, he was speaking about him in past tense. And it didn't register to me. I heard the words coming out of his mouth, but it, I could not process why he was talking about Mr. Charlie in past tense. And so right before he had shown up, I was knocking on the door, waiting to hear the dog bark, didn't hear the dog bark. I'm yelling like, Mr. Charlie, it's me, it's Teresa and Ariana, it's, it's us, not getting a response, not knowing why. And next thing I know, after my um, high school friend, because he was the mailman, so after he handed me the mail, he physically handed me the mail to hand to Mr. Charlie, right? This is what I'm thinking. That's not what he was doing, but that's what I was thinking because he handed me the mail. And so next thing I know, we're waiting, you know, I'm about to walk to the back to see where he is and there is no him. So someone, a stranger comes up to me and says, are you looking for, and he gives me his whole name. And I said, yes. He said, ma'am, we buried him a week ago, last Saturday. Needless to say, I lost it. I didn't even get to tell him goodbye. I didn't even know that he was sick. And my daughter witnessed that. She witnessed the grief. She witnessed what that did to my heart. She witnessed it to this day every once in a while she talks about it. Because we were thinking that we were going to hang out with Mr. Charlie. Not understanding that his time had come. There would be no more Mondays because he had passed on. And this is why it is imperative that we not put off tomorrow what we can do today. So what I'm going to do today, instead of reading the letter that I would normally read where I've written to my future hubby, I'm going to read the letter that I address my future hubby, but I'm really talking to my inner child. This concludes my episode, but before I completely conclude it, I am going to read the letter. So here we go. Y'all pray for me. Pray for me. <laughs> Whew. Um. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. The date is February the 23rd of 2021. Dear future hubby, earlier today, I felt the unction to write a letter to my inner child. I understand that I normally use this journal to write to you, but I believe I need to do something a little different today. However, not only did I want to take a moment to address my inner child, I also am going to leave a blank page for you 
to also write a letter to her. During this process of healing, during this journey to discovering the very best version of myself, I think it's important that I not only address my inner child, but that I also allow her to heal as well. I wholeheartedly believe that in doing so, you will meet the healed me and not the silently broken me. I have no idea how long it will take for me to tell her what's on my heart. So you may just want to sit back, relax, and enjoy this ride with me back to when I was young and oh, so very innocent. Here is my letter to my inner child. Dear little Teresa, there was no way for you to foresee all of the ups and downs, all of the turbulence, broken promises, abuse, both physically and emotionally, you would go through. You have always been a dreamer. You used to sit down and write stories from beginning to end, dreaming about your happy ending. Well, baby girl, let me tell you, we still haven't quite made it to the happy ending part of the story, but I am extremely proud of your resilience because you refused to give up after being molested by family members, because you refused to give up after being raped by boyfriends who very well heard you screaming, no, and get off of me, but ignored your cries and proceeded to have sex with you anyways. Because you refused to give up when you wanted your biological father to find you and become a part of your life, but he died before he could ever that could ever take root. Because you refused to let the naysayers have the final say. Even when you heard the words, no one will ever love you. You're just a slut. Although you remained a pure virgin until the age of 17. You saw things you should have never seen with your innocent eyes. Never provided a real explanation about why people do what they do. And so you were forced to learn by mistake. To find your own way while all sorts of labels were being placed on you in the process. Selfish bitch, slut, whore, hoe, none of them positive, and the list goes on. Yet despite being told that no one would love you, you managed to find peace. You managed to find God. It was in that moment he wrote a new name for you. He began to speak life into your life where others had never had only spoken death over you many times before. You've always been a hopeless romantic. You absolutely love your love stories. So I guess it's true. Love conquers all. I stopped by to thank you, baby girl. Thank you for loving yourself enough not to give up on you when others around you were so quick to do just that. Thank you for searching for that unconditional kind of love where you are free to be vulnerable, free to make mistakes, and free to be your authentic self 
unapologetically. Thank you for not allowing the naysayers to quiet your voice. Thank you for discovering the fact that you even had a voice. All those times you would set, sit and write poems and enter poetry contests and win? Well, guess what, honey? As an adult, you end up writing books. Look at you. You dare to live out loud, despite all of the pressure applied to you to shut you all the way down. Your light was bright, young lady. This frightened a lot of people. But by the grace of God, he wouldn't allow them to dim it. I am extremely proud of you, young lady. Don't you forget that either. You fought a good fight and I am reaping the harvest from the seeds you sowed. Let's not forget Ida Mae, your adopted grandmother. So that was on my mom's side. <laughs> she loved her some Teresa Reese and your love and you loved you some Ida Mae Jackson. Remember the day she took her last breath? You were miles away but you looked up at your babysitter and told her, my grandmother is gone. She told you, don't say that. A couple of seconds later, your mother called your babysitter and confirmed it. Your babysitter looked at you and asked, how did you know? Well, honey, God has been having close and intimate conversations with you ever since. He calls your friend, yes, you knew it back then that you were different. And honey, you still are. And that's okay. Remember when your neighbor bullied you and called you oval head? Remember how crushed you felt? Well, let me remind you what you said to him weeks later. You're really giving me a compliment because models have overheads. Baby girl, God as my witness, that same bully was one of the first people to purchase your poetry book. A strong will mind, healing scars over time through my poetry. When it came fresh off the press. And he took a photo and gave you, me, permission to share it. I know I don't have to tell you, but God is amazing. I could go on and on about the trauma versus the triumphs, but I won't. I just needed to take a moment to tell you, I am glad you were born. You were beautiful then and you are beautiful now. To some people, you may look like what you've gone through, but honey, I am here to tell you, you were worth it. You are enough and you are significant. Heal, baby girl. Heal. I love you. Love self. So I hope that y'all have a blessed and wonderful evening or morning or afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. And please, 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 do me a huge favor and take care of yourself 
because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Bye. Y'all have a blessed one. Thank you.